Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 20. Today I purposefully did not want to throw an outline at you or to put something up for you that always have to think that you've got to write something down. I want you to listen, and I want you to answer a question. The question is the title of the message. Are you in a spiritual drought? The answer to that is either yes or no. If your answer is no, I need to hang out with you a while. Pastors get into spiritual droughts as well as anyone else. We go through those times where we think, good night. Does not anybody care? What's going on today? And as I began to prepare for this, I started getting calls, and I was calling pastors proactively, but I started getting some calls from some people that said, you know what? The Lord led me to call you next uh, last week, but I, I, I just was able to get to it today. And I said, thank goodness it's today because I got an answer. Last week, I wouldn't have had one for you to, to prolong you along. Are you in a drought or are you okay? Some of you are coming out of a drought, but some of you have admitted to me that you're in one. Now, does that mean you're actually caught up in some sin? Maybe not. It could be that you're at a point right now and you don't understand that drought. You don't understand why you don't want to read the Bible. You don't understand why you don't want to come to church. You don't understand why things are just dry all around. You don't understand it. Well, you see, Moses in Numbers chapter 20, let's look at it. In early spring, verse 1, the people of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam which was Moses' sister, died, and she was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, We wish we had a di- we wish we'd had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Did you bring the Lord's people in the wilderness to die along with our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land of no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. I don't know about you, but I always kind of like to keep my yard up. and, and, And I like to see it good and dark and green. Some of you may not, don't care anything about that. And, and that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm better than you or you're better than I. But in the morning here lately, I've been noticing the, green, the grass is so green in the morning because my sprinkler system come on at 10 o'clock at night, and it wets the grass. But when I come in in the evening, I'm discouraged because I look at my front yard and I go, my goodness, this morning you look so dark and green. But now you look dusty, dead, and dry. 
Now I got up this morning, I'm going to say, you know what? I know my sprinkler system came on at 10 o'clock. If it didn't, I'd have a stroke. I go outside and I look, and the backyard, the grass is green. I go to the front yard, and most of it's green, but some of it's not getting the same amount of water, so it doesn't look as dark and green. We're in a drought in our weather. We're possibly in a drought in our church. You see, when drought comes, there's a dryness. Last week we talked about, for you that were showing up today and you wouldn't hear either in a campground or somewhere else, we wish the best for you. But we talked about the valley of dry bones and how we looked in this deep, dark, historical past in Israel where they had lost the battle and and the bones of all the soldiers were scattered. They were, the Bible says, very dry. But there's one verse that I think as we look at God's people and we look at us and we say, you know what, Mike, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm saved, but I'm in a dry place. I'm in a drought spiritually in my life. was Ezekiel 36, 26, which says, I will give you a new heart with a new and right desires. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out the old stony heart of flesh and sin and give you a new heart, an obedient heart. Moses, in the Bible that we read in Numbers 20, Moses was a godly man. Moses struggled, and he didn't make all the right decisions, no more than all of us make the right decisions in life. But we see here in this passage he had a predicament. Because at first we see that his sister died in verse 1. Miriam was his sister, and we know that Aaron was Miriam's brother. And uh, we had three people who, who cared about God's people and, and who were commissioned by God to lead them out of the despair in Egypt. And then they find themselves, because in, in context, we're in a place where they, behind us was the Exodus account, where they came out of Egypt. And they went to the Red Sea. And they crossed the Red Sea. Well, hopefully have a chance to glance at that. But then we find themselves out in the middle of the wilderness in the desert, and they find themselves with no water. Now, some of us, that's hard for us to understand when, it, when we talk about uh, no water. But I'll tell you something. If we didn't have any air conditioning, this past uh, couple of days and weeks, It's been around 97, 95. Could you imagine if you were trying to go to bed at night and your home and your house was 95 because you didn't have any electricity? Could you imagine what that would feel like if if you weren't so spoiled like me that we're able to set the temperature whatever we want it to be? I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning and it was 72 and I was sweating. So as I got up going to the living room around 3.30, 3.45, I hit the button, brought it down to 71. 
If you didn't have any electricity, guess what you wouldn't be able to do? You couldn't adjust anything. If this church was 95, I doubt very seriously many of you would hang in here because you would be off somewhere. Why? Because you and I are a spoiled bunch of people. We have to be comfortable. We have to, we have, to have our needs met or we won't do anything. Or we'll leave, whatever it may, whatever takes place. We're spoiled. We're used to getting things our way. Some of you are here today and you don't even realize that you are dry. So I wrote down a few symptoms and you can determine whether you are or you're not. One symptom is out of seven I'm going to share with you is giving out of a sense of weariness and emptiness. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily giving your money. I'm just talking about giving of yourself. You give, but you're you're giving out of an attitude of weariness if you're dry and emptiness. Second of all, you're serving only out of a sense of duty. Maybe you don't want, maybe you've made a commitment in, to God to, to play in the band, or you've made a commitment to God to teach, or you made it a commitment to God to, to be in leadership of something, but, but you're serving only out of a sense of duty because you have to. That's a drought. That's a dry spell. Maybe your faith is, thirdly, is no longer contagious. What does that mean? Have you ever met those people that, and, and, and there's one woman in here I met last week, and we went to her house, and, I, and, and man, her faith was contagious. I, I'm just, I was just saying, man, I'm glad that I'm in her presence. But if, if you've been around me here lately, and you sit down, you go, what's wrong with him? Why does he feel, why does he look so dry? Well, let me ask you the question. Why do you look so dry? Why are you not excited about Jesus? Why are you not sharing your faith with others? You see, when we get in a dry spell, we lose our joy. Fourthly, it's when you and I feel like God is a million miles away. He's distant. Oh, you're reading your Bible? I got an email from a man that used to go to this church, and he moved out of state. And here I am preparing for this message, and his email said this, Mike, I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. I'm hungry. I've spent two to five, even six hours a week, and he works an eight to nine, ten-hour job in the Word of God, and, and people come to me, and I, and I try to help them, and I try to counsel them. But, Mike, what do I do when, when I can't even feel like that, that I can help myself? How can I help anybody else? That's dryness. It's being in a drought. Some of you here, and you feel like your spiritual life You're just in a rut. You're in a rut. It's just become humdrum. It doesn't mean anything anymore. The reason you can't be counted on is because you don't really care. And you won't commit when you don't care. Maybe you're here and 
You didn't plan on it, but you were being given news, a tragic news either about you or yourself or somebody else. Right now, I know Brian Hedrick didn't plan on spending last week in the hospital. And if something don't turn for him, he may not be with us long. Some of you have had tragic things happen to you, and, and you find yourself just sinking spiritually on the inside. The last one is negative thinking. Every time you try to be positive, you try to be uplifting, but you're just negative. Everything you see, you're, you're negative about this, and, or you can't see the good about anything. You're just negative all the time. That's spiritually being dry. Get this picture in Numbers 20. Moses and Aaron are coming from the graveside. And they're dealing with the death of their sister. Apparently, Moses loved his sister a a, a good bit. And then all of a sudden, he's met by a a group of unhappy, hateful Christians. People who love God. Moses, why in the world have you brought us out into this desert? We could have, should have died with our brothers in Egypt. Man, did they not have a short memory. They started blaming Moses for even bringing them out of Egypt. Who in the world was the one that prayed to be delivered from Egypt in the first place? It was them. It wasn't Moses. Moses was trying to think of everything in the world to get out of going to Egypt to help them. He said, a king talk good. Then I'll send you, Brother Harry. Evidently, Exodus tells us, or Deuteronomy 6 tells us that he sent Moses and Aaron and Merim to lead the people out of Egypt. And now Merim has died. At the end of the chapter of 20, Aaron died. The Scripture's clear. The people were blaming, verse 3, Moses. Verse 4, why did you lead us out in this wilderness to die? Verse 5, why did you make us leave Egypt? Boy, they forgot that. And bring us into this terrible place. But verse 6, let me tell you what a dry spell, a drought's supposed to do. It's supposed to take you and I and drive us to the knees that we have on our legs, if we have them. It's supposed to bring us to the tabernacle. It's supposed to take us to to the face of God. Because verse 6 says, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell down on their face on the ground. I tell you, when I get dry, I get disturbed. I mean, I, I, I get discouraged. If I'm not careful, if I don't handle that in the right way, I even get depressed. And I find myself going to my recliner or somewhere and saying, Lord, what is wrong? Why don't I feel like you're listening to me? 
And the first thing I do, I say, okay, Lord, must be a sin. Maybe I've had a lustful thought or, or God, maybe I, I, I even asked my wife the other day, I said, baby, do you see pride in me? Now, I carry around a ball and chain around my left leg. The reason it's left leg because I'm left-handed. You know what that ball and chain is? I'm performance-driven. How many of you here today feel like you're performance-driven? Raise your hand. I feel your pain. You see, performance-driven people, if we're not careful, we get to thinking that we're the failure, and sometimes we might be. If we're not careful, we'll get to thinking it's all about us. It's all about what I do or don't do. But I got news for you. When it comes to the church, now when it comes to building, framing a house, son, I feel like I can do one uh, as good as anybody. And I love to to see them go up, and I love to make sure they're right and make sure they're square and, and make sure that everybody does what they're supposed to do. But when it comes to the church, that's a different story. When it comes to Christians and trying to motivate people to serve God, I learned I can't do that. And my performance-driven personality just drives me insane. And I get discouraged. The Bible says that the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff, this is verse 8, and the assembly and enter in the entire community. And as the people watched and command the rock over there to pour out its water, you will get enough water from the rock to satisfy all the people and their livestock. You know what the Lord asked Moses to do? He said, Moses, I want you to take all the people and go before that rock. And he says, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak unto the rock. Now, there in Deuteronomy 6, we know that he didn't have to speak. He took a a staff and he hid it. And that's what God told him to do. But over here, and I'm not going to get into theological ramifications of that. Don't have time. But here he's told to speak unto the rock. But something was going on in Moses that's going on possibly in some of you. There were bitterness boiling in Moses. Moses was angry on the inside. Moses had seen God do all these miracles and, and all with, with, with the Pharaoh and, and coming across the, and splitting the Red Sea. And now all these people were complaining and griping and moaning and groaning and they were getting ugly. You know, sometimes God's people do get ugly. They just do. When I was in high school, and, I, and, and when I say this, guys, don't you go do this. This will get you in all kind of trouble at school. But if somebody was ugly with me, I was a little scrapper. And I didn't care how tall you were, and I didn't care how big you were. We were going to the ball field after school. 
and we weren't going to play ball. I'll stop right there. And it didn't matter whether I got whipped or that I whipped you. I didn't care. But you know what? I learned as a pastor, when you come to my office or you come for counsel or you come in disgruntled or you want to tell me something, I can't whip you. It just don't work good that way. It don't look good when the pastor, if he gets mad, just beats up his parent. His parishioners. It doesn't look good if his church members either whoop the preacher or the preacher whoops the preacher. But there's a lot of times, brother and sisters, that I've wanted to fight through the years. I wanted to put this Bible down. I, I didn't even need boxing gloves. I'll use my own fist. I don't care. But that's every bit of that performance driven in might. That's my flesh. And you can't take flesh and whip flesh and win spiritually. You can't do it. But Moses was boiling. Moses comes up. He gathers the people. He looks at the rock. He thinks, should I do what I want to do? Or should I do what God says to do? All of a sudden, he took the staff and he hit it. He hit it hard. And he didn't just do it once. He hit it twice. You know what happened? Look at it. What does it say happened? The water poured forth. The water gushed. Everybody was satisfied. Everybody got a drink. All of the livestock. But something happened at that point with God and Moses. Moses disobeyed God. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been times here as the pastor of this church that I've done exactly the opposite of what I should have done. And I have a feeling that every person sitting, listening to me today, at one time or another, you've done exactly the same thing. You disobeyed God. When he told you maybe to do something one way, you did it another. When he told, or you didn't do it at all. Or you got mad at somebody. And you begin to get bitter and you begin to stew and think that if it's, it's, it's preacher Mike's fault. When actually... You're just trying to put the blame on somebody else because the blame rests on you. Well, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 29 that Moses begged the Lord not to judge him. But you see, when he disobeyed God and he hit the rock twice... You know what God told him? You will not lead my people to the promises. And in Deuteronomy, the passage I just referred to you, he's begging God, please, Lord, let me go into the promised land. I've been at this a long time. I've spent my dues. I've worked hard and, and I've put up with these bunch of Baptists that won't listen. And they think they know all the answers. 
Moses had to hear God say, you're not going in. He did let him go on top of the mountain. He did let him look into the promised land. But he said, "On historically and in your human body, and there's a reason why I say that, in your human body, you're not leading my people in. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I ask God all the time, and I've been asking him for 30 years, Lord, please let me know when you're done with me here. Don't let me stay a day, one day past the day you want me gone or doing whatever you want me to do beyond what he called me 30 years to do here. And every day I get up just about and I say, Lord, do you still want me going and being the pastor at Solid Rock Baptist Church? And I know today, tomorrow may change. But today, I'm supposed to be here. Today, I'm supposed to share with you, are you in a spiritual drought or are you okay? Moses blew it. You know, some of you, you come to me and you share with me, and and I want you to continue to do that, and that's... And look, I love it. I love to be, I wish I could bring on 30 interns and know what to do with you. I wish that I could get everyone in this church so active that you would be full of the Lord and and the glorious presence of God would just permeate our entire community. And not only would the food building be not shorthanded, and not only would the medical clinic be not shorthanded, and all the other things that we do. But I realize I can't make you do one doggone thing. It's not my job. Moses got angry. He was frustrated. And the Lord judged him. Some of you come in here with problems. You come in here all frustrated with life and your businesses. You're caught up in a lot of different things in life. But I got a good word for you. Listen to this in Isaiah 42. When the poor and the needy search for water, there is none. And their tongues are parched from thirst. Then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never forsake them. I will open up the rivers for them on high plateaus, and I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. In the deserts, they'll find the pool of water and river fed by strings and will flow across the dry, parched grass. Do you know what God wants to do with you and I? I want you to turn to Exodus. Exodus 
Turn to the book of Exodus. Take your Bible. I want you to see this. Chapter 14. Remember I said that we heard the same complaints when Moses had led them to the edge of the Red Sea? And the people begin to cry out and complain and, and rag Moses awful bad. Well, I want you to hear this verse. Verse 15 says, The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. In other words, let's go across this Red Sea. Use the shepherd's staff. Hold it over the water, and a path will open up before you through the sea. Then all the people of Israel, listen to this, will walk through on what? Dry ground. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to ask. Here's my hand. How many of us in here today will admit to God we're on dry ground? Can't put it up. Let me tell you about this dry ground. This dry ground is an opportunity for God to strengthen your faith. This dry ground was mentioned four times in this passage. That in each time he mentioned it, the children of Israel to go across that two walls of water, they had to go in dry ground. Now, if you're in dry ground... You have an opportunity to hear God. You have an opportunity to see God and maybe even see what you've been praying for and what you've been desiring will come true. But dry ground is not where we want to say. I don't know if any of us are going to pray, God, put me on dry ground. Put me in a dry place, God. Put me in a place where I can't get rest and, and, I, and I feel like you're so distant and far away. Are you going to pray that prayer? Not me. But dry ground is what it took for the children of Israel. When they got on the other side, the Bible says when they looked back, the Lord closed the sea and they saw all the remnants of victory. All of the Egyptian soldiers, the Bible says, were drowned and were killed. Everything that was pursuing them to eliminate them was eliminated. Dry ground represents God's path. So today, if you're on dry ground, you are right where God wants you. But don't miss it. Every day that I get up, I say, Lord Jesus, I sure do like those days of victory. But for some reason today, I'm on dry ground. Lord, I need you to speak. I need the glorious presence of you to fall. And I need that fresh refreshing as my grass gets in the morning of the water of the Holy Spirit. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to give us life. Today, 
Maybe you're like the fella that the preacher, every time he preached, he came to his mind. It was one of those guys who was kind of difficult. And every time he prepared a message, he preached it right at him. Now, you say, you think preachers would really do that? Well, I've kind of been guilty of it a little bit through the years. But that pastor, every time he'd go to the back door and that man would come to shake his hand, he'd say, Preacher, that sure was a good message. And I hope that everybody in there heard it. It was a good one. Well, one day, as he was preparing that message, a snowstorm hit. And the only one there was him and the preacher. And the preacher took that opportunity to lay the whole load. He just told that man how, it ought to, how the cow ought to eat the cabbage. He told him how he ought to live. And he said, you ought to get your life right. He's the only one in church. When the man went out, he shook the, hands, he shook the preacher's hand. He said, preacher, if they would have just been here today, they would have got right. Now, you can sit here all day long and say, if someone else had just heard that, I didn't preach that for someone else in your life. I'm preaching it because I'm living it. I'm in it myself, and I'm preaching it to you that God wants to use you. He did not waste that time with Moses, and he's not going to waste that time with you, putting you in a place that you feel like you need to cry out unto God. Don't. Waste it. On the positive side, and I'll shut up. Did Moses really get to see the promised land? He sure did. On the Mount of Transfiguration when James, Peter, and John, they looked at Jesus, and there he was, and two men stood beside him, Moses and Elijah, and they were in the land of Canaan. Ladies and gentlemen, it ain't going to be easy down here in these human bodies. And sometimes we ain't always going to do it right. And it definitely don't measure up the way I want it to go. Even in this church. But one day, we're going to be with Moses and Jesus and Elijah. And Jesus is going to be number one. And I hope and pray that you today not only know Jesus, but if you're in that dry spell right now, don't walk out of here thinking that you're being judged by God. God's wanting to see you through that dry spell. And he's wanting to change in your life. And that might be the only way that it ever happened. Where you come a little bit closer to where he would have you to be in your flesh. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. And don't get bitter. Oh, Obey God. Don't blow it because you'll miss it. Would you stand with me with your feet, or to your feet, with your heads bowed, and your eyes closed?